Do you find it hard to transition in and out of free days? Keep listening to hear how Dan makes the most of his free days. Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach podcast with Dan Sullivan. Dan, you and I recently were both on free days together, and we had a great time. And it came up on the weekly planning call today that really... Transitioning to free days can be a challenge. It's something I've gotten better at, and I still keep having new insights and new ways I figure out how to have better and better free days. And you clearly have mastered it after you and Babs put that into the program. So I want to talk today about how to really master free days and how to do, as you just named it, the free day flip from your really intense, busy, focused working life into all of a sudden doing something where the whole purpose is rejuvenation. So I want to Mm -hmm. talk through some real strategies and ideas about how to think about transitioning to and from free days. Well, right off the bat, Shannon, I have two. One is when it was hard for me to take free days, which was my entire life before I met Babs. The reason is that if I was on free days, I was still working. And a lot of that had to do with that I hadn't established for myself what had to be done before I went on free days. So having a goal of activity that is finished before you go on free days. And then the second part was a very clear idea what the first day was going to be like when I got back off free days. Okay, so I've freed my mind up that when I'm on free days, there's no work that has to be done because I've done what was necessary. And then the second thing is that when I come back from free days, then I know exactly what I'm doing on the first day. And that kind of would remove about 80% of the thinking that I would do on free days about work. And the other thing was, how do I get into the free day mood even while I'm still in my last work day? And I do it with reading, but reading especially fiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fiction is a story. So my favorite are, you know, the usual murder mysteries, homicide detectives, you know, international intrigue, you know, geopolitical type of activities, you know, where the world is at stake because bad people are planning bad things for good people. And a small core of heroes are the people who are actually saving the planet, really black and white stuff. No ambiguity, no no deep psychological insert. And I've got some favorites, and I notice that everybody who reads these books got some favorites. The couple that I can mention, of course, Lee Child with his Jack Reacher character, Daniel Silva, who writes about the Israeli Mossad, character's name is Gabriel Elan, Jonathan Kellerman, uh, Los Angeles Homicide. It's a team of a homicide detective and a psychologist. Michael Conley, also Los Angeles. Los Angeles is one of those cities in the world where you can imagine almost anything bad happening. (laughs) That is totally plausible. Another favorite I have is Mark Dawson, who's a British writer. No one quite knows who he is, so I don't think Mark Dawson is actually his real name, but he writes about a man who was an assassin for the British government who decides to quit, and unfortunately he knows too many things, so the moment he stops being an assassin, then he becomes a target of other assassins. 
What's really interesting about it is that he has become a complete and total alcoholic. So as he's going through his adventures, he's also attending the 12-step program. And it's really clever, and I suspect the author has some experience with alcoholism. So a lot of the themes there, and this one actually has a lot of depth to it psychologically, and you know, you really appreciate the damage that can happen to a person when they're involved in killing other human beings. So why I like these novels, because the authors are so skillful that they get you in the first paragraph. You open, and they're so skillful that they've kind of got you by the end of the first page. And I always do that the evening before I'm going away on my free day, so I'm into the story. And I can't wait till, you know, get into it. And in, uh, you know, like a week's free days, I can go through four or five of these books. Mm -hmm. And I'll just sit for hours and read them. One which was especially interesting to me because it also combined history was a British author who unfortunately died during this past year. His name was Philip Kerr. And Philip Kerr wrote about a homicide detective in Nazi Germany. So he was a German who was investigating actual homicides while inside of Berlin during the Nazi periods. And there were a lot of homicides inside Nazi Germany. And he was meeting all the most infamous German characters, not Hitler himself, but other people, where he was actually solving crimes on their behalf. They were the customer and just the balancing act of how he wasn't a Nazi, but he was actually inside of a murderous regime where the regime itself was a murderer. Really intriguing, and he wrote about 13 or 14 of these. I'm especially interested in Second World War history, so it's kind of a fascinating inside, and how he got that experience, I really, really don't know, but the writer has an unusual take on what it must be like to be inside of that. So long story short, the two things that I'll do is read fiction, but if there's a history book, I'm very fascinated in history, so a particular period of history, and there's a good history writer, then I'll go there. I've just always been addicted to understanding where things come from, so... Those are the two ways I do that. And then when I'm on free days, I do a massive amount of exercise and get massive amounts of good sleep. So we choose our locations where I can have either a great gym or I have great outside hiking, climbing, or in swimming where I can swim. So those are kind of my tricks. And I usually find 10 days might be my limit of being on free days before I'm itching to come back. But then when I come back, I arrive back knowing what I'm going to do on the first day because I pre-planned that. And it's not so much that I actually do what I plan to do on the first day. It's the fact that in my mind, the first day is planned out. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to start from zero. Because usually if you haven't planned out the first day, you waste the first day getting started in this way. If nothing else, I can just do the day that I planned out. I hear a lot from people, if they're coming back on a Monday, Saturday and for sure Sunday is spent on planning Monday. And they have to do that because it wasn't done in advance, which really compromises their free days. And I have another thing is that if at all possible, 
I never arrived back on a weekend to start work on Monday. I always arrived back on Friday, and I have a Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday in my life is always a free day. I don't work on Saturdays. But I do writing or workshop preparation work or, you know, you and I do books together and I'll do work on the quarterly book. Mm-hmm. Then it feels good. But I hate the notion that I'm coming back uh, free days and then first thing the next morning I have to work. I want to get that weekend in. It's sort of a buffer zone. Saturday always being free, but Sunday then it's a half work day. Mm-hmm. And we get massages. Babs and I have a long time friend who's a massage therapist for going on 25 years now. She'll come over to the house on Sunday morning and I'll get massages. You know, you can be listening to me and kind of say, well, that wouldn't work for me. And I agree because the way other people do it wouldn't work for me. So what's important is that you have an approach that actually does work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's all I can say about this. But have work handled in your mind before you leave and have work handled in your mind of how you're going to get started when you're working again. Those are the two general rules, I would say, there. Mm -hmm. And I really like your idea of starting your book, you know, be it history or a novel, and just add to the list, Nick Petrie is someone who's Mm -hmm. got another hero like Mm -hmm. Jack Reacher. What attracted to me was Jack Reacher gave a testimony. He said, well, a lot of people try and imitate my Jack Reacher or emulate him, but Nick Petrie is the real deal. And sure enough, the four novels that he's written Mm -hmm. so far are just brilliant. So Mm -hmm. I read one of those on my last vacation which was really fun. So really just intentionally... Well, what about yourself? Oh. Uh, I mean, we've just been in close proximity, at least for the week, because Shannon and Bruce, who are longtime friends, they encouraged Babs and I to actually move to an island in the middle of the lake in (laughs) about three hours north of Toronto. And I'm so happy that you did. But we see each other. You know, we'll go for dinner or we'll have you over for dinner or you have us for dinner. We chat, but we chat a lot about a lot of things, but we don't chat about work. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the other thing. And I work with you, Dan. I work with Babs. I work with my family, who's also at the cottage. I love how you joke that the cottages are the Canadian religion, which I think is somewhat mm-hmm. true while still being respectful. But it's interesting. It, there really is a discipline to, and it's not a word I use often, but to really making sure that, you know, the purpose of free days is rejuvenation. It's, again, mm-hmm. just to remind everyone of the core definition, 24 hours, midnight to midnight, during which you do absolutely no work. But we're not going to go from being super intense people to being couch potatoes unless we have, and well, I personally was very physically active on the last vacation. I went kayaking and I went paddleboarding and I went cycling and I did it with other people. So Mm -hmm. I had lots of time to visit with people I really care about. I was doing something fun. Mm -hmm. I was outside, which I've learned is super critical to me. And it was my best free days I've ever Mm -hmm. taken. I had two full weeks off. And I came back like not dreading, coming to work, excited, zero anxiety, zero stress. And fortunately, I work with someone who brilliantly designs my life, my work life. We got caught up in probably 15 minutes this morning. Well, maybe 10 minutes on work Mm -hmm. stuff. The rest was what was going on. And it was fabulous. So having the right support team, I would add to that list, obviously adding another novelist on the deal. And really being clear on activities that are key to you. And one of my big insights, which I thought was interesting for me at least, and I've been 28 years just the other week was my anniversary. And it's interesting to me that I... Anniversary at Coach. At Coach, thank you. Yes, Yes. recently a little bit longer. But it's interesting to me that I am still learning Mm 
how to take better and better free days, you know, mm -hmm. after so many years into this, which is kind of fascinating. And one of the things I learned that as I'm a two and follow through in the Colby system, I run my life on schedule at work. I've got tons of short deadlines, which is how I'm most productive with my quick start. But my first week of holidays I had a little while ago, it was highly scheduled. Different family activities, some doctor's appointments for another family member. I thought to myself, this is not fun. Mm -hmm. This is not how I want to be spending my free days driving around to appointments. I thought, oh, I can do it when I'm at work and when I have that support, but it is not rejuvenating when I'm on free days. So I can follow a tight schedule and system mm -hmm. as long as I get to not do it sometimes. So based on that information, I totally switched it this time, had almost nothing scheduled, and it was an absolute delight. So that would be one of my big insights and in learning. Yeah, and I have favorite places, so they're really extremes. The Babs and I, and Babs and I are great buddies, you know, and we thoroughly enjoy hanging out with each other. But it's either in nature, so, you know, the setting that both of us have north of Toronto, it's on a beautiful lake in Ontario, if those listening haven't had the joy and pleasure of being in cottage country in Ontario. Ontario has half the freshwater lakes on the planet, so there are 250,000 lakes. That's 250,000. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a six-digit number. And I would say probably about, you know, a small percentage of those are actually inhabited you know mm -hmm. they have cottages and some of them you have to get to cottages by boat mm -hmm. but it's just a spectacular wonderland the cottage country north of toronto so i like being in nature i like being in woods i like being near water uh, if there's hills that you can throw in there hills or mountains that's really great or i'm in really world cities like my favorite cities are New York and London. Mm -hmm. And London, of all my favorite cities on the planet, I just like London because it also coincides with history. And I'm a real Anglophile as far as the history of Great Britain, the history of London. And London is just an endless city. And then they have all sorts of things, some of the greatest bookstores in the world. You have theater, any day afternoon or evening during the week. You can usually find great theater within about a half hour walking distance from our hotel. So those are the two things. And I have one, either you're in a really, really, what I would call a world city in New York and London really qualify in the sense that these cities are probably more connected to the rest of the world than any other cities, or it's uh, complete nature, you mm -hmm. know, but nature, comfortable nature, <laughs> 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 which means that your screens have to be very tight. You have to make sure you had the debuggers in to debug so that you don't have ants devouring you. <laughs> but I have a real preference for lifestyle, and I think almost... Every year that Babs and I have been together, and we've been together since 1983, and I think every full year we've improved on the quality and the comfort of our free days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just talking about comfort for a moment, we had some friends 
clients visiting from Australia. And we were going into the water and we were going up our beautiful river, which is my favorite thing. And I had to reassure one of them three times that there were no crocodiles <laughs> mm-hmm. or sharks. Yes. And I got to appreciate just how not risky. Like I was in Africa a couple of years ago and you go out in nature and you're- you Your food. <laughs> your food. In Australia, something will almost for sure poison or sting you or eat you. Something's going to happen. And in Canada and U.S. and North America, we're pretty fortunate yeah. <laughs> in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Just a little side effect. Every Australian by the age of two or three has learned all the rules about what you do when you go outside. So it's just normal for them. But for us, it's anything that hasn't left your imagination yet (laughs) isn't a set of rules is scary. So That's true. Dan, the last point I want to touch on, you mentioned that after about 10 days, you start getting itching to come back. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the other things about free days is pacing. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm learning still lots and lots about that. And I just had a two-week vacation, which was delicious. But you take free days on a pretty frequent breaks. And so talk a little bit about that. Because again, there's all mindset around free days. It's not like you go all year and then take one week off. In fact, it's almost the opposite. Yeah, well, first of all, at the beginning of each year, our free days are already in the calendar. And I would say about 80% of those scheduled free days, we know where we're going to be. You know, there in the course of a year, there would be like some set routines about where we're going and what we're going to be doing where we're there. So on January 1st of each year, we have the equivalent, if you added up all the free days, we have the equivalent of about 22 weeks out of the 52 weeks that are free days. So it's 155 days, and it's been that way for 30 years. So we start each year with 155 days off the work calendar. So that means that from each year has 210 work days, which are mostly focus days for me, 180 focus days, and I have 35 buffer days. And there's another aspect of being certain. Mm. And I tell people, you know, it's a bit like financial planning. If your savings are whatever left over when you've stopped spending, there isn't any savings. So the practical wisdom in financial planning is that the savings have to come off the top, and that determines your spending. And if you want more to spend, then you have to make more money. And I think the same thing works time-wise. And that is, since we've already taken 155 days off the work calendar on January 1st, that means that if I'm going to be more productive during the year, it has to be done with the 210 work days Mm -hmm. that are left. And truthfully, I can say that I've become more productive every year, Mm -hmm. but the number of days that I work is exactly the same 30 years later. This is the 30th year of Strategic Coach. And in the very first year of the Strategic Coach program in 1989, we took 155 free days off and we had 210 days. And the 30th year, 2019, exactly the same. So I have a structure to the year, and then I'm thinking a lot, well, one way I can expand is just focus on my unique ability and then have more and more unique ability teamwork within the company and then what I would call unique ability collaboration with other people outside the company. So teamwork and collaboration are the same for me. It's the same activity. I'm just focused on my unique ability and I'm taking advantage 
of cooperation with other unique abilities, and I just use the word teamwork if it's inside the company, and it's collaboration if it's outside the company, but it's exactly the same principle. So there is no limit to the productivity that you can have with the same amount of time. You're just expanding it through Mm -hmm. other people. And they say, well, that costs a lot. And I says, well, it's a good reason for making more money, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So that's the other thing. So I have this goal. I'm 75 years old right now. And if I compare when I was 45, 30 years ago, I am a hundred times more productive than I was then, but I'm still working exactly the same amount of time. Right. And you tend to work roughly three weeks on and then yeah. a week off. I don't or two. like working for more than three weeks in a row and then give myself a week break. Right. And what I notice is that when I just allow my mind to go free, either reading fiction or reading history, all sorts of simplification happens in my thinking that I don't have to think about. But I do know the day I come back from really good free days, I'm incredibly more focused and clear and simple than I was the day before I went on free days. And I don't know how that happened, but I think it's the permission that you don't have to be thinking about work, which actually allows your brain saying, well, when you go back, You don't have to do this, you don't have to do this, and here's a neat shortcut that we just figured (laughs) out for you, and this is your reward for letting the brain do its own work for, you know, a week or 10 days. Two things about that, Dan. One is I love that we are, as you said, pretty much the only productivity system in the world that we know of that's based on free time. Mm -hmm. And also, you've also coached people over the years that the more you know, chunks of free days that you take off, the more innovations Mm -hmm. you will put in in your business. I think it's because of that process that happens when our brain is knitting stuff together in the back, you know, letting our subconscious work. And then when you come back, all of a sudden you see things differently. Yeah, I'll tell you a technique that I hit on that really convinced me of the, what I would call the liberating power of free days. So there was this one where we were going away for two weeks And I was, in my mind, rehearsing the discussion I was going to have with Babs (laughs) that maybe we could make it one week and we could make it a week later because if I just had another week to work on what I was doing, then even though we weren't getting two weeks, we'd just get one week. That one week would be a lot better if she gave me another week to get things done. (laughs) And I knew what the answer was going to be, so I kept the discussion in my brain. (laughs) But what I did is I just got a sheet of paper out and I wrote down every single thing that I would do in the extra week of work that I was going to take. I had a folder and I put it in the folder and then I went off and had the two weeks with Babs without the discussion and without the (laughs) negotiation. And then I came back and the first thing I did when I came back is take the list out. And about half the items no longer meant anything to me. Mm. They were urgent things before I went away, but they were meaningless things when I came back. So 50% of what you think urgently has to be done, it's just that you're running out of gas and everything looks like it's more work, it's important work, it's urgent work. Mm -hmm. But in the time away, half the list had disappeared. And then I looked at the half of the items that were still there. And let's say it was 15 things. Well, 
seven of them were no longer important for me to do, so I was down to eight. And I noticed that three of them got done by other people when I was away. Mm. And then I was down to five things, and three of them I did on the first day because I was really fresh. So by taking the extra week of free days, I eliminated my list from 15 to five, and then three of them got done on the first day, and I was on to two really important things. And it's perspective. Work expands multiplied by the amount of work stress that you're actually experiencing. And mm-hmm. when you free yourself up from the work stress, the amount of time that in your mind it's going to take to get things done or the mere importance of them just disappears. So I think there's a real wisdom here. But it's risky the first time you do it. You have to risk that your brain is actually going to do all sorts of work without you having to be conscious of it. Very true, very true. Dan, this is a fascinating conversation. Thank you. I love talking about the free day flip and the liberating power of free days and how you learned that. And just a couple reminders of some key actions to take. One is have some awesome books, novels, things that are intriguing to you and start it the night before. Know what you're going to do the day you come back and have an itinerary. Have a list of things you love to do, be it in nature or in cities or whatever your preferred place is to be. And I would add people to that list, people you enjoy spending time with. And then really trust that your brain is a magnificent capability that you have. And the more we take care of it, the better it will serve us and the better able to serve whatever we're up to. So I love this conversation. I know it'll be really helpful for people who are, even if they're good at free days, can get better. Mm-hmm. And those who are like, what is this free day thing? Hopefully this will give them some confidence. So thank you, Dan. Love it. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. 